Recently, I read an article on famous people who died in 2021. Now, that probably just shows what kind of person I am, that I would be drawn to such sort of articles, but I, I generally love reading biographies, the stories of people, what people devoted their lives to. So we're gonna to begin today by playing a little bit of a guessing game. I'm gonna show you some of those people who died last year, and let's see if you know them. So here's the first one. Uh, anyone know who that is? Colin Powell, right? He was the sec former Secretary of State. He, he's obviously not the Secretary of State now, but he was the former Secretary of State, and he devoted his life to serving his country. Uh, all right, who's this one? Oh, Betty White. Those are Golden Girl fans out there, right? So Betty White, she died aged 99 one short of a hundred, and she devoted her life to acting and animal activism. All right, this one's a little bit more difficult, a little bit, who's that? John oh, John Madden. We've got a, a American football fans in the congregation. So John Madden is obviously an American football coach. He also developed a computer game, Madden, that he was probably better known for, but he really devoted his life to the sport. Uh, and last one, this is for bonus points. Let's see who gets this one. No one? Okay. <laughs> this is E.O. Wilson. And you're supposed to go, ah. Oh. E.O. Wilson was actually a famous biologist. It probably shows you where we are. <laughs> we know the actors, we know the sports people, but not so big on the biologists. And he wrote a number of books. But the crazy thing about E.O. Wilson is that he devoted himself to the study of ants. His whole life was devoted to the study of ants. Now, we look at these lives and we might think that those are all good things, right? Some might say lives well lived. Personally, I can say that I've never felt the calling to devote myself to the study of ants, but I do admire that they had this clear focus and intention for their lives. They knew what they were devoted to and they went after it. So the question I'm left with is, what am I devoted to? And it's a question that we ask you this morning. What are you devoted to? If someone had to spend a month with me and just, just follow me around every day and see what I did, they would soon know what I'm devoted to what I'm really giving myself to. And at the end of the month, they would go like, man, this guy really is devoted to fill in the blank. Uh, but what about you? If someone had to follow you around for a month, if they had to watch your every move, what would they say at the end of that month? Would they go away, oh wow, this person is really devoted to their family, or this person is really devoted to Netflix, or this person is really devoted to their career, or to God's word? What, what would they say? In Acts 2, we actually have this beautiful passage about what we should be devoting ourselves to as the church, right? So Acts is this beautiful story of the early church. It's the, it's the most amazing story because from about the year AD 30 to about the AD 400, what began as a movement with, with a handful of fishermen spread out through the whole known world at that time. And these guys, they did it without an army. 
They did it without any money. They did it without influential people. And they did it all with the, with the might and the power of the Roman Empire against them. And yet they did it. How? How could they do that? Well, obviously, it was the Spirit at work through His church. But it was a church that knew what it needed to devote themselves to. So in the passage that we see today, we see four things that the church devoted themselves to. In verse 42, it says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. The apostles' teaching. Now the apostles' teaching is essentially is what become known to us as the New Testament. But at that time, it was the instruction in the scriptures, right? The Jews had had the Old Testament scriptures for a long time. But now that Jesus had come, right? God himself came and lived with us. He taught us, he showed us what the kingdom of God was like. And then he died the sacrificial death for our sins and was raised again to life three days later, opening up a way for us to be once again have complete access to the Father. And this is the gospel, right? And the people were amazed. They're like, this is it. It's amazing. Let's learn about this. Let's devote ourselves to this, right? Because Jesus is revealed in the scriptures. It suddenly all makes sense. Paul, Paul writes this and he says, this is the mystery of the gospel that's been revealed. Um, a few years ago, my, my family and I, we went to an art gallery. Now, I have to admit, the art thing is not really me. And I, I, I wandered into the kids section, and that kind of tells you something. The most powerful experience I had was actually in the kids section. But in the kids section, I found one of those, those 3D posters. Do you know those posters where you look at, and it's just like a whole bunch of dots, and then you, you sit and you stare and you, you kind of squint and you look at it from a different angle and suddenly this picture just jumps out of you. And suddenly I'm seeing dolphins jumping out of their way. And that's what it was like for the early church. They were like, oh my goodness, the lights come on. This is it. Because now we're seeing that actually everything that was in the scriptures is pointing to Jesus. It was pointing to the fact that Jesus really was who he said he was. He was the Messiah that has come. And it was worth devoting themselves to it. You know, we here at City Reach Oakton, we can't take our devotion away from this. We can't get distracted from the scriptures because the scriptures hold life for us. They lead us. They teach us about the way of salvation we wanna uphold the scriptures, right? That's why we preach through the Bible. See, we believe one of the most important aspects when we come together as a people is to hear God's word read and to hear it preached because we wanna hear what God has to say. We wanna hear how God feels. And that's why we're committed to preaching through whole books in the Bible. Next week, Steve Early is gonna be here and he's gonna start us in a series in Ecclesiastes. This beautiful work of Solomon as he's reflecting on life and he's, he's plagued with these questions. How does life make sense? How does life make sense without God? You know, one of the biggest battles that we have in this generation is that we don't ask the tough questions. As long as we have enough sport and TV, we're okay. But Solomon asks these questions, and we really believe, we're praying that through this series, 
it will challenge us. It will challenge us with these questions in life. What are some of the things that we struggle with? What are the things that we struggle with Then life doesn't seem to make sense? And we, we firmly hope and believe that people who don't know Jesus have the same questions. When they look at life and they're like, you know what, at the end of the day, it just doesn't make sense. Is this all there is? You see, we don't believe in just dipping into little bits of our favorite scripture. No, we want to learn about the whole counsel of God. And that's why we make time for God's word in our lives. Or at least we should, right? <laughs> but the truth is, I don't know about you, but this is for me. How tempting is it when you wake up in the morning and the first thing you do is reach over for your phone? You pick up your phone and the first thing you do is click on Facebook, scroll, 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 see what everyone else is doing. Or you click on news articles like me and you read articles like who died in 2021. <laughs> and slowly, you kind of push God's word out, right? I'm devoted to other things. Now, I say that because I've been there, right? I was there. And about a year ago, I just said, enough. And so I made this decision that the phone doesn't go into the bedroom. It stays in the living room. And now I have this huge pile of books next to my bed, which drives my wife crazy because I read about five books at once. But I'm reading, I'm reading God's word again. The second thing that they devoted themselves to was the fellowship. Now, it's an interesting Greek word there, koinonia. Now, when we can think of fellowship as just hanging out, oh, we had fellowship, and you think you met, we just grabbed a cup of coffee, and koinonia means so much more than that. It does mean spending time together, but it's so much deeper. It's about contributing to each other's lives. It's about participating in each other's lives. And ultimately, it's about sharing each other's lives. You know, at Oakton, a few years back, we used to call our small groups, what do we call our small groups? Real life groups, right? And the reason we chose that name is because we wanted to reflect this as real life as it should be for the Christian. Right, that we don't just gather for a cup of coffee, but we share life together, we share God's word, we care for one another, we participate in each other's lives, and we contribute to the needs of others. Right, when someone's in need, we're there for them. Uh, if you can, let's just go down a little bit to verse 44 and 45, and let's read this together. Uh, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, I don't know about you, but that verse challenges me. It challenges me. Like, I know it was a specific time in history, but the heart behind that is a people who cared about others before themselves, that put others' interests above their own. Now, is this an easy thing to do? Not for me, not for me. But there is this sense there, what it's trying to convey is this idea of, of conjoined twins. You know, conjoined twins, when they're born, they, they join together, right? They have the same life support. They, 
They, when one hurts, the other hurts, right? When one's sick, the other's sick. When the one's happy, they're both happy. That's koinonia. You know, at PVC last year in, in term four, we, we asked this question. We said, uh, out of the values that we have here at City Reach of identity, community, and mission, where, where do you think that we're, we're at our strongest? Where do you think that we're, we're at our best? And then the other side of that was, where do you think that we, we're weak and we need to get strong? And the answer came back in the area of community. You see, fellowship really matters. And I think here at City Reach Oakton, we're blessed. As you walked in today, like, did you notice the amazing grounds that we have? Did you notice the buildings that we have? Did you notice the church cafe that is right now hosting a Chinese service and later today will host an evening service? We're blessed. We get to host two services every Sunday here. Now, with that does come challenges, right? And the challenge is, is that when we come to church on a Sunday, we can get to enjoy the fellowship that we already have with people. You know, maybe we see the people we know, we, we maybe have a cup of coffee and spend 20 minutes, or if we're really out there, half an hour with them. And it's great, it's good, it's needed, but it's not a place where we build fellowship, right? It's not a place where we really get known or get to know others, right? In order to do that, we need to be meeting one-on-one -on -one with other Christians. We need to be in our community groups and small groups during the week. You know, otherwise, we're faced with this temptation that when we come, we can just spectate, you know? We can just see what it's like on a Sunday, and we don't really have to extend ourselves very far, and we don't really have to get known that much. But that's not what the Lord's calling us to. The Lord's calling us to koinonia, to participate, to share our lives. And this really is an area we believe that the, the Lord is calling us to strengthen, right? That's why we, we want to put together events throughout the year which bring the whole church together. We plan to do this for the Australia Day picnic. We, we wanted us all to come together. And unfortunately, that was canceled. But, got good news for you, we've got a church-wide camp coming up. Now, you're supposed to go, yay! Like, right, that is awesome, guys. We've got a church-wide camp. The whole church is gonna get gathered. And now I've got something that's gonna blow your minds completely. We're gonna do it in June. Yay, right? Because everyone loves camping in June. It's perfect weather for camping. Now, I have to say, we tried really, really hard. We tried to find a place that could accommodate us all, and everything was booked out. But I will tell you this, in 2023, we do have a place that will take place in the warmer months uh, this year. But for this year, we're gonna rug up, we're gonna get together as a church, and we're gonna go away, we're gonna spend time together, we're gonna eat meals together, and we're gonna get around God's word. Amen. 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 And, you know, it's why we're seeking the Lord about calling a community groups pastor because we really want to grow in this area, develop our groups. The third area in which the church was devoted was that to the breaking of bread. You know, in those days when the believers took communion, 
it wasn't just a piece of bread or a biscuit or, or wine and, or some juice. It involved a whole meal. They came together and they, they literally broke bread. They shared a meal together. But there was this point, the whole meal had a purpose, that they would remember and celebrate Jesus' victory over sin for them. They remembered his body broken for them. They remembered his blood shed for them. And that's why here at City Reach, we celebrate communion regularly because we constantly need to be reminding ourselves that the gospel of grace is for me. It's for me. I need God's redeeming grace. I need to be cleansed from all unrighteousness. And only in him is that possible. Only in him that's possible. You know, at City Reach, that's why the gospel is the main thing, right? It's the central thing. We don't ever want to think we've arrived and we've matured beyond that and we don't longer need to talk about the cross. You see, it's the gospel that's the hope for this generation. It is the power of the gospel that saves. And I don't know about you, but I've, I've, I've had this thought. Maybe I'm the only one. But don't you wish you could get it all just in one download? You know, where you can just have all biblical knowledge, all wisdom, everything that you needed to know in one hit. But God doesn't work that way. It takes a lifetime to walk with him, know him. That's the way he's designed it. And this is where discipleship comes in. Right? We need people in our lives who've walked with Jesus, who, who maybe are just a little bit further ahead than we are. You know, as I've walked with Jesus, I've had people in my life who taught me what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. They, they taught me, this is how you pray. This is how you read the Bible. This is how you share your faith. And I'm so grateful to the Lord for those people who took time to invest in me and I have, in turn, by God's grace, been able to teach that to others. You see, that's what discipleship is. You know, as we grow and we learn and we, we mature, we then teach others to grow and learn. You see, discipleship is like electricity, right? It should flow right through us. It comes in one end and out the other, right? Because true discipleship is about Making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And church, we really want to grow in this area. We want to devote ourselves to having a clear discipleship program. And I want you to know we're, we're working hard at that, to put that together. We want to journey with you uh, as part of that this year. Because you see, we, we don't ever want to become a church that's over-programmed and yet under-discipled, because we want to know the Lord. And the fourth thing they devoted themselves to was the prayers, the prayers. Now, notice here it says the prayers. Uh, they were specific prayers that they prayed. Now, there's nothing wrong with formulaic prayer. Uh, I use the Psalms to pray. I don't know how to always what I need to pray for. Go to the Psalms, it helps you pray. But they also prayed as they had needs. Something came up, they prayed. And we don't want to be a praying church. We need to be a praying church. It's not an option, right? If we really want to rely on the Lord, we really want to seek his face, we want to know his will, then 
we have to spend time in prayer. If, if you can imagine two people getting married, right? And, and the pastor says, I now pronounce you husband and wife, you may kiss the bride. And then you said to them, guys, you never need to talk to each other. After this, don't talk to each other. You know, maybe in the morning you can say hi, and that's enough. What do you think would happen to that marriage? Do you think it would thrive? No, right? The thing you tell them is, guys, learn to speak to each other. Learn to nourish each other. Spend time in each other. That's what prayer is. It's about, about spending time with the Lord, and we need to pray individually. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was down at Victor Harbor, and there's, there's nothing nicer than walking along, and you feel the sand between your toes, and you're enjoying God's creation, and just praying out aloud, just pouring your heart out to God. There's a lot of people that think you're crazy, but it is so good for us. Another thing we need to do is pray together, pray corporately. And that's why this year we're going to have a number of prayer and praise evenings. The first one we're going to have is in March this year. We're going to get together. Our amazing worship team is going to lead us to praise the Lord. And all we're going to do is join that and pray. We're going to cry out to the Lord. At PVC this week, we announced the land opportunity. Well, we need to pray about that. We announced the the search for a senior pastor. Well, we need to pray about that. So what kind of church do we desire to be in 2022? Well, the truth is the same church that it's always been, a church that's committed to teaching the whole counsel of God, that values scripture above all else, a church that believes in genuine fellowship with one another, a church that is committed to to breaking bed, sharing meals, reminding each other of the gospel, and a church that prays. Now what happens to us as a church when we start living this way? What happens when our lives are marked by a devotion to these things? I mean, I'm not talking about just a casual little dip into the word or you know, occasionally being in fellowship, but what happens when we're fully devoted? Well, things start to happen. Number one, if you look at verse 44, we become unified. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. It is amazing how reading scripture, fellowshipping together, remembering your personal need for the gospel, and praying, it brings you together. Now, my wife and I, we we try and make a habit of every Saturday morning spending time together where we sit down, we read God's word, and we pray. You know, at the end of a week that's been stressful and you're trying to manage work and kids and, and church and all those things, just to come together and pray. You know, suddenly we, we pray together, we confess our sins, and we have koinonia. We unify together. All those little things that during the week have come in between us, suddenly we sit down and we pray and we feel unified again. Church, I'm honestly convinced of this, that we don't need to complicate this. We just need to get back to basics, and we'll be amazed at what the Lord will do. He will unite us. Do you guys desire to be a church that is together, excited about where God's taking us? I was hoping you'd say yes, but (laughs) yeah. It wasn't so convincing there. Number two, what happened? 
when a church devoted themselves to these things. Well, the witness was strengthened in verse 45, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Um, do you know the saying, actions speak louder than words? And, and people will respond to what they see more than what they hear. This, this thing that was happening was incredibly radical, right? I mean, you had people selling their stuff and distributing the proceeds to those who had in need, right? I've, I've got an old iPhone, and this week I've been thinking, how can I sell it on Gumtree? How much money am I gonna get for it? And what am I gonna do with the money? And yet, you have these people, right, who are doing this crazy thing where they're just selling stuff and giving it away. It's a tangible way in which the community of believers is loving one another, right? Imagine the witness. Imagine people seeing that and go like, man, who are those Christians, right? They, they sell their stuff and they give it away? What's up with that? You know, we, we live in a world and a culture that is just constantly looking to get and get and get. Every little bit of advertising you're gonna see this, this week is gonna be telling you, you need to get this, you need to have more. But yet, in this moment, we see a group of people that are, are not motivated by selfish gain, but selfless giving, giving. You know, Jesus said it plainly. He goes, guys, this is how they will know that you are my disciples, that you, that you love one another. <laughs> yes, it's that simple, that you love one another. Guys, this is a, it's a supernatural thing. When God gets a hold of your heart, when you understand the absolute riches of his kindness and his generosity towards you, your heart can't help but overflow and be kind and generous to others. It's only when he gets hold of your heart. Uh, when we were at Watermark in Hong Kong, uh, we had this young guy on church staff, and he, he was the youth pastor. And our church didn't have a lot of money, so we couldn't pay him a lot of money. And him and his wife, they lived in this really small flat. Actually, everyone in Hong Kong lives in a small flat. These guys lived in a really small flat. Hong Kong is the most expensive real estate place on the planet. And they lived in this really small two-bedroom flat. There is no way that you could fit two bedrooms in what they called a flat, but they did, right? And then we had this other couple at church, and they were from Ghana, he was this really bright young man, and uh, he had a scholarship to one of the universities in Hong Kong to come and do his PhD. Uh, so him and his wife came across all that they had. All that they had was the tiny stipend they got for doing his PhD. They didn't have much at all. But part of the deal was that they could stay on the university campus uh, in the, and stay in the married person's quarters, which was fine until what generally happens when people get married, and they're together for a while, they multiply. And she fell pregnant. The university came to them and said, well, sorry, that's it, right? Our policy is married people only, no babies. Soon as the baby's born, you're out. You're out, right? Most expensive real estate place on the planet. You got nothing, you have to go. And <coughs> they came together, we prayed as a church, and one couple stood up, went straight to them and said, you come live with us. You come live with us. 
and it was this, this couple, the youth pastor, they moved out of their very small main bedroom into an even smaller bedroom so that this couple with their newborn baby could come and stay with them. And we're not talking about just come spend the weekend with us. We're like, come stay with us as long as you need to. He had like two years to go on his PhD. No, you come stay with us. You come stay. I don't know about you, but the thought of having a newborn baby just for a weekend is, is crazy. But just, you come stay with us. But what a witness. Who do you think the first people they told was? They went to the university and said, you know what, don't worry about it, we're, we're taken care of. This amazing couple just gave up their room, moved us out. What an amazing witness it was to the community. Guys, we wanna be a church that is a witness to the world by the way that we love one another. And number three, God received praise. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. You know, people who write books and make speeches about vision, the truth is they all say different things. <laughs> but <laughs> they have this one thing in common. They all say you have to know your purpose. You have to know why do you exist. So City Reach, why do we exist? to bring glory to God and joy to the city. And that what that means is that everything we do, every ministry we invest in, every event we put together, every outreach we have, every church plant we think about should be with this question in mind. Are we bringing glory to God and joy to the city by doing this? Are we building his kingdom or our own? Guys, when our hearts are truly set on seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, when we love others and we're unified, it will always, it will always result in hearts that praise God. It will always result in hearts that praise God. And number four, people were saved. People came to know Jesus. Lord Jesus, I, I pray, I ask you, Lord, would you add to our number those who are being saved? Lord, truly would we have a heart that desires people to come to know you, to really know the King of kings, the creator of this universe. Father, I pray for our hearts that we would long for that, Lord, as much as you do. Church, do we, do we long to see people saved? And I don't mean that nice sort of Christian thing when we get together and we go, oh, like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to, see, love to see people saved. I mean, do we really want to see a time when people are being saved? You know, is there something in our hearts? Paul describes this in Romans. He says, I have, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for I wish that they could be saved. Do, do we have that? Is there a place in our hearts where we just... We long to see people to come to know him. Because the truth is, we can't do it. We can't save anyone. It says the, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. The church wasn't using clever tricks. They weren't using manipulation. It wasn't anything like that. It was the church being the church, doing what a church should do. It was a church united. It was a church on mission, a church loving each other, a church seeking to glorify God. 
and the Lord added. Guys, I have, a, I have a hunch that the Lord loves to add people to a church like that. He really does. A church that's truly seeking Him, I think He just loves to add people to that. So as we go into 2022, let's not, let's not overcomplicate this. Let's get back to the basics of what the Lord has called us to be. And the truth is, church, we do have a difficult season ahead of us. It, it will be hard. All of us face unknowns almost daily. And yet, we're still a church on mission. We're still called to be salt and light in this time, in this place. It's not a time for us to retreat. This is the time to be a church that is devoted to God's word. A church that has genuine fellowship. Not a Facebook kind of fellowship where we share our kind of highlights and low lives of our lives, but we share our very lives. We want to be a church that constantly goes back to the gospel, stays faithful to spreading the gospel, to making disciples, to planting churches, and to seeing his kingdom come. We want to be a church that prays, a church that cries out to God and believes in the power of prayer. So church, what are we gonna devote ourselves to? See, because devotion comes at a cost, it does. Any one of you, or you know someone who's devoted themselves to something, you know that it doesn't just happen. Because this is a worthy cause. This is it. The early church changed the world through the working of his spirit, and God is not finished yet. He's not finished yet. You know, before I was a believer, I had this view of the church. I thought the church was just after your money. And I probably got a little bit of that view from my parents, but also from TV, you know, they're kind of these mega pastors and they have all this stuff. And I thought, ah, the church just wants your money. But then when I was at university in my first year, I met a bunch of Christians through Alpha. And they were just so different to anything that I imagined. They were, they were these, these group of young adults, right? Like they were 18, 19 like me. And yet they, they had this thing called the Bible that they read, right? I thought the Bible was something that you found in a museum. And yet they, they read it and they called it God's word. And I'm like, wow, that's that's. That's strange, but okay. Because what I saw was that this was a group of people that, that genuinely cared about one another. They, they had fellowship with one another. You know, I was at university and all I could see was everyone was out for themselves. They were out to have a good time and what they could get from life. And yet, there were these group that actually put others before themselves. They talked about the gospel and the, the need for the cross in their lives. And I'm like, man, you are like some of the most godly, saintly people I know, and yet they had this humility about needing the gospel. And they prayed. I heard them pray. I'm like, man, you guys talk to God like he's real, that like he's there. How, why do you do that? And it wasn't long before the Lord in his mercy added me to that number. It was beautiful. It was beautiful to come into that. Guys, vision is, is not something that we do once a year. It's not 
Okay, we've done Vision Sunday, tick a box. No, it's something that we live every day. So this year, let's, let's be devoted. Let's be devoted to the things that God's calling us to. Let's make time for God's word in our lives. Let's, let's be devoted to fellowship. Let's make an effort to rug up and come camping in June. You guys think I'm joking. I'm not. It's going to be cold, but it's going to be good. Make an effort to, to, to invest in your community group. And if you're not in a community, join one. There's a discipleship program that's coming. Join it. Be part of it. Let's be devoted to prayer. When we have an evening of, of prayer and praise, come along. Come along and cry out to God. Let's be a church that longs to see people saved. You know, we Alpha is one of the ways that we do that. So yeah, we've got this beautiful opportunity this month, right? Pray, volunteer, get involved, invite someone. But let's, let's be a church that seeks God this way, that treasures his word, that's devoted to building healthy, godly relationships, and let's be the salt and light that he's called us to be. A church that just honors Jesus and longs to see his kingdom come. You know, we do all this. We can do nothing without him. We have to do all this while resting in his victory for us. Church, let us pray. Let us pray. Will you stand with me? And let's ask the Lord to lead us this year. Let's ask him to be with us as, as we devote ourselves to the things that he's calling us to. You know, it's easy to do it on day one. But it becomes a lifetime of just walking with him and knowing him. It's a worthy cause. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your son. We thank you for a man who was God himself, who came and lived amongst us and would die for us, not while we were at our best, but while we were at our worst, who took us, took our sin and gave us his righteousness. Well, we are so humbled and grateful for that act. Father, I pray that as a church, we would be a church that is devoted to the things that you are calling us to. Lord, help us to be a church that genuinely loves one another, that seeks to be at peace with one another, that seeks your kingdom and your righteousness above all else. Lord, I pray this year, would you draw us all together? Would we be a church that is known for being together for the sake of the gospel? Would we be a church that prays? Would we be a church that knows you in such a powerful way this year? Would we see your mighty hand move? Lord, as we preach through Exodus and we hear about your, your mighty arm, Lord, would we see your mighty arm again that is not too short to save, that is not too short to move. Lord, we know that you're not finished with us yet. And Lord, we long for more. We long to see you move. And Lord, help us to be a people that is so eager and devoted to following you. And we ask this all, in Jesus' name, amen.